You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 139 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on September 10th. I'm Vince, along with Roger. What's up today, man? Yeah, we'll go with that. Just, just a snort, <laughs> a derisive snort. <laughs> That's the kind of day it's been. Very well, then. Well, for today's discussion, we're actually going to look back at something we've briefly mentioned uh, during what we're reading, and that's Infinity and the whole first chunk of Infinity, basically, because as I read you know, the, the first issue, I, I really enjoyed it. As I read everything we're talking about here and took it, it was one whole, I was really into it. And then I also read issue two, and I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Infinity at this point. We won't be talking about issue two today, but uh, that will come up, I'm sure, in another month or so once we get back around to it. But I am loving everything about this particular crossover. I don't know that I'd say everything, but I am liking a lot of it. Definitely a lot of it. Compared to just about every comic yes. crossover from the last few years, this is, this is like Moby Dick. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. <laughs> so we're going to start off with Infinity Number 1, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Jim Chung, Mark Morales, and Justin Ponsor. And just to start off with, yeah. and this is a trend across all of the issues and even going on to the the stuff we're not talking about. The art has been amazing on all of these. Above and beyond amazing. This is, I I mean, everything, it's also the coloring too. Like when you're looking at this um, issue number one, like you don't have to flick very far until you get to, um, to the scenes inside of like the little palatial setting kind of thing. And just the colors are absolutely jaw dropping. It's, it's, and it was like that the entire way through, like a, like you were saying, like damn near every issue, it was breathtaking. Mm-hmm. So this starts off with, uh, we talked about it when the, uh, the free comic book day issue came out because the first several pages here were basically the free comic book day issue. And back then we were talking about how out of context, it made no sense, but it gave you that feeling of, you know, that foreboding of what was going to come. So here in context, it still actually didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time though. Now that I've gone all the way through and read issue two coming back and reading it again, it suddenly makes a whole lot more sense because especially when they're talking about the gauntlet and when Thanos is involved and you're talking about the gauntlet, that usually means one thing. It never occurred to me until way later that they were actually talking about, you know, a trial, like an actual gauntlet to go that they're, they're putting these people through instead of the infinity gauntlet. I haven't even read the second one yet. So I, yeah, yeah, that's news to me. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what's up with the gauntlet? Why are they talking so much about the gauntlet? It doesn't it didn't even make sense in the sentence structure. I'm like, I don't get this just because I was completely my brain was incapable of recognizing it as the other definition of the word. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a bright one sometimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it starts off with uh, the outrider, this uh, this minion of Thanos who's going across the galaxy and finding Something. It'll all make sense once you read issue two, so I'm not going to get into exactly what he's looking for. But once he finds it, he comes back to Thanos, and then Thanos demands the tribute, which uh, we saw was a bucket full of heads. (laughs) 
But basically, if they if they provide the tribute, the rest of their species gets to survive. And again, it will make sense later on. At the same time, we have the builders who have been kind of the big bad behind what Tickman's been doing over in regular Avengers, where we saw at the beginning the uh, the three beings on the moon, uh, Ex Nilo, Abyss, and I forget the name of the third one, but the robot guy. Uh-huh. And the builders are basically the power behind them, who their mission is to just you know keep building up the universe, wipe out the old, bring in the new, come back around again sometime later when everything is old again. And for whatever reason, they're making a beeline towards Earth and wiping out everything in between. That's not making any sense to me. I'm sure it will later. I'm sure it will later, too. But for yes. the time being, it's... The, the why is, is a big question for me at this point. Yeah. Like, again, I'm giving this a lot more leeway because it is Hickman. And mm-hmm. were it somebody else, I probably wouldn't. I, 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 you know, not that I'd be bashing it, but when you're looking at, and I know it's all part of the, the scope of what he's trying to accomplish here, which we've seen time and time again and other stuff that he does, but it's just, there's, there's a lot of confusion still when you're looking at it and there's so many balls up in the air and it's like, what the hell is going on? So this here, because it's not, at least I haven't seen enough of this to know what's prompting all this. It is kind of a loose end that I'm not. I'm not digging as much. It's not making sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you should have seen the fan rage online when one of the the first planet that we see them here on is Galador, home to the Space Knights. Fan favorite characters from back in the 70s that Marvel really hasn't done much with since. Mostly because they don't own the rights to the main character of that franchise anymore. But the Space Knights still show up every now and then. And Hickman whips them out here. Everybody's all excited. And then just destroys them in one page it was hilarious <laughs> oh man the fan rage was was delicious <laughs> their te- tears fuel him <laughs> so uh we as things are going on we get a little uh bit with captain america and hawkeye on earth where we see that there's actually scrolls on earth taking up refuge now of course after secret invasion scrolls being on earth at all is a pretty big deal but they're just trying to hide and that's what brings the avengers into the whole thing and realizing that you know this big bad is coming to earth and they're actually taking a proactive method of bringing all bringing all their biggest and baddest guys out into space to confront them before they get to earth and that ties back into thanos and god that last page even though you know it was obvious what was going on i just absolutely love that little last page where you see thanos kind of looking over his shoulder and smirking with just the line the earth has no avengers but see here's here's another little quibble <laughs> okay <laughs> because yeah let's take all of the avengers out into space to go meet this head on because apparently spider woman in a half-assed costume <laughs> is very useful in space. That is going to come in handy. There's a reason for it. There isn't. So you have these people that are non-flyers that are have no ability to breathe, that, that need to breathe, I should say, rather, or whatever, that are just kind of in the ship that's being piloted by Captain America or by whoever. It's they're useless. They're pointless. Even the Hulk is stuck inside a freaking ship. So it's like, how does this make sense? This makes absolutely no sense whatever. And then going back to her outfit, 
where apparently the belly and cleavage have to show through. It was like, oh, don't even get me started on Iron Man's new outfit. <laughs> well, there's actually been some discussion about that because some of the other Avengers are wearing similar outfits as well, you know, the ones that can't breathe in space. And one point that was raised was if they were in full spacesuits, it would kind of make it hard to distinguish who's who. So they just kind of left the center section open on several of the characters' costumes to make them more distinguishable. That's what I figured looking at it, too. And I'm not making a big deal out of it. I just It's one of those facepalm kind of things. Yeah. It's nothing to hold against them. It's just, oh, come on, guys. This is stupid. Although it's the fact that they're there that's yeah. stupid that yes, doesn't make I, sense. I will agree. Although while we're talking about the space costumes, can we take a moment to appreciate how amazing the Falcon looks? Uh, I'm looking through trying to find him. I think I remember. It's basically just a giant bird yes. space. Yeah, He's yeah, got yeah, this yeah, huge yeah. bird head, these giant wings. Yeah. Was like, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> All right. So this leads us into the Against the Tide uh, digital comic that actually everybody got for free when they bought uh, Infinity. So that was Pretty cool. Written by Jason Latour, art by Augustine Alessio. And when we're talking about the, you know, the Marvel digital comics, they, they try to do the, you know, the, the fun stuff that really can only be done with digital. And I think this pulled it off pretty well overall. This is the one on the, uh, the, the, the planet where the surfer goes, right? Yes. 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 That, yeah, that's the one that I mentioned before mm-hmm. that I really liked, actually. I thought this was really freaking well done. And once again, going back to the absolutely insane freaking artwork on this thing. It's gorgeous. It's in a very different way than the rest of the series, but it's just absolutely incredible. And like you, you're actually really feeling for the people here. Like when the mother is, her son is trapped underneath and everything. And like this guy is like, Sorry, you're on your own, and he's taken off. He <laughs> gets obliterated after. <laughs> but uh, no, I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. And also that internal struggle struggle with the surfer himself. How you know, he's always been rather detached from a lot of events going on. He he looks at this planet, and you know he sees the, you know them resisting against the builders, and you know, he's like, "What's the point? You know, if you don't have a chance, why why bother?" And then he comes around like to his own thinkings of the times he himself struggled against those insurmountable odds. You know, when he first confronted Galactus back on his home planet, or again, when he, when he sided with earth and just the fact that you should struggle is enough reason to do it. And that's when he steps in. I really liked that. Well, what I liked too with him is him having to fight against the idea of who he is with the people Mm -hmm. that he's trying to save. And they already have a negative opinion of him, and he has to fight against that. And like, no, no, I'm here to, I'm here to help you, to try to help you, kind of thing. No, it's I like again, like I said, I really like this. Yeah, and it was a very well done. Wow, yeah. And awesome. of course, now it just has me waiting for the moment when Silver Surfer shows up in the actual May series. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like a lot of the characters here, like specifically Silver Surfer and Thanos, I like the. I don't want to say I like the characters because they don't have a whole lot of characterization to them, but I always enjoy it when they show up in a story because it lends it a certain, a certain level uh, of meaningfulness. Like, like, like they always say, when the Watcher shows up, you know you're in trouble. Well, when Thanos and the Silver Surfer show up, you know something's about to go down. Yeah. All right, so that leads us into Avengers 18, 
uh, by Jonathan Hickman, Little Yu, Gary Algonquin, and Sonny Go, as well as Avengers Assemble 18, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Barry Kitson, Gary Erskine, and Nolan Woodward, and Captain Marvel 15, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Jen Vandemeter, Patrick Olife, Drew Garassi, and Andy Troy. And I bunched all those together because those three issues basically tell the same story, but from three very different points of view. And I found that pretty interesting. I did, but I thought it was a little too much. By the time you yeah, get to the third I, I one, it's like, two. I, I, I kind of know where this is going at this point. <laughs> so this focuses on the Avengers and you know their big space battle, the Battle of the Corridor, kind of their 300 moment, if you will. They lure the enemy into a trap. And so they, they can withstand with their smaller numbers. Of course, it doesn't go well at all. <laughs> but you saw uh, Avengers 18 was basically from, I guess you could say Captain America's point of view, but it was more the general story of you know the battle itself playing out. You had the Avengers assemble from Spider-Woman's point of view. And this is when we find out the effects of what happened at the end of Captain Marvel 14 after she you know went up in the, the sky and you know, blew out half of her own brain, basically, that... She has all of her powers, you know, she, she, but she really has no memory of who she is. And that makes a very different character, as we see in the Captain Marvel side, where she's just going through the motions and isn't really sure herself uh, of what she's doing. And there's a lot of emotional stuff there from Jess's point of view, how, you know, she sees her best friend basically gone and she's having so much trouble coming to grips with that. If there was ever a time when a point one issue was needed, would have been needed, and we all know our feelings about point ones, this would have been it. We didn't get enough between the climax of that story mm-hmm. arc and this. So there's no, like, you're hitting the ground running. There's, there was such a buildup for that story arc to see what what what's going to happen to her i mean this was huge with fans and essentially you're not even told you're or sorry you're you don't get to see it you're just told what the effects were and it's like oh this is what it was and then that's it so like i'm fairly disgusted not, not disgusted disappointed yeah. that there wasn't an issue in between whether it was you know 15 and this would have been 16 or a point one something because this was it was disappointing mm-hmm. like they should have just done like an enemy within number two that that took place after it and yeah i, I agree but yeah but but i still can't deny how well it worked within this story yeah yeah it's just it wasn't enough is what it mm-hmm. all boils down to it, yeah it was good but you still have to contend with everything else that's going on here which okay fine if you want to try to rationalize you could say well that's the life that they have that's what it would be but i think that's a cheat because and and i know that she doesn't use cheats to connect she actually tackles different issues and different things. So because you're having to deal with so many other things that are going on inside of this, this story, you're really not getting enough time between um, even just those two to figure out and to come to terms with everything that's happened. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was interesting in, in the context of what's going on now, but as a Captain Marvel issue after such a huge story arc, it was disappointing. Yeah, it's just an unfortunate uh, publishing schedule. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, I, I like I said, I really like this. There wasn't a whole lot over three issues plot-wise because, like I said, they basically told the same story. But seeing how it affected the different characters. And at the end, we get uh, 
Carol turning into her old binary form, which is actually an interesting parallel because that, this goes back to you know the old days when she was hanging out with the X-Men. And the first time she turned into binary was you know she her Cree absorbing powers. She basically absorbed a black hole and overcharged herself. But when she was binary, she was very emotionally detached, which lends itself into the story they're telling with Carol now because she is emotionally distant because she doesn't have that history with these characters anymore. So that's actually pretty interesting to me. Yeah, it's interesting where it's going to go from here. Yeah, mm-hmm. And now we get to the one that really really sunk its hooks into me with this with this series and that's new avengers number nine again written by jonathan hickman fantastic art by mike diodato and frank martin and this is where thanos comes to earth and sends his lieutenants out to deal with the illuminati and there is so much stuff going on here every bit of this was awesome to me one of the few times where I'm looking at Namor, Namor and really enjoying that part of the story because you can see that devious freaking brain. It's like you want to go to Wakanda. It's like, oh, you little bastard. I yeah, know what you're doing Because there. we've seen that in New Avengers because, of course, during AVX, you know, Phoenix Namor just drowned Wakanda under a giant tidal wave. And we saw over the course of New Avengers, Wakanda got their own revenge by basically leveling Atlantis. So even though these two guys are working together for the good of the planet, they hate each other. (laughs) With good reason at this point. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I mean, Namor's done everything except for hook up a storm. (laughs) Yeah, really? But also with that, we we get some craziness going on with Doctor Strange. How you know his he's basically I can't even come up with the right word, but you know his mind is infested with all these dark thoughts, and he's trying to withstand great stuff at the Jean Grey School. And of course, you know anytime you get to see the X Men charge into battle, and and again re, re, reinforcing the fact that Bobby is secretly the strongest amongst them. Yeah, <laughs> they really need to do something with. <laughs> although, although I guess we kind of saw that in the uh, Astonishing X-Men story. The, I, I think it's time for even just a, whether it's a story arc or a little mini-series with just him, something absolutely yeah, give insane. me an Iceman it's, mini. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, definitely. I love here, though, that like Wolverine, the ultimate badass, he's the one that sells all the comics. In one page, he just dives in and whoop, <laughs> stabs, cures See, now, <laughs> now I'm wondering if he has his healing factor right now I, for this story. Because I would think they so. seemed kind of freaked out by it. I mean... We've seen Wolverine get stabbed before. I mean, it shouldn't be as big of a deal as they made out, made it out to be. Yeah, we'll see. I, I we'll see. I I don't believe that they would just let that go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as you mentioned earlier, when they get to Wakanda, uh, Black Panther and Shuri and you know their army actually managed to you know hold them off, uh, give them a, a battleground defeat. Unfortunately, since they also went to Atlantis and Namor is just he's gone like his entire city's gone his his people are decimated so he completely sells out to uh, the coal obsidian is what they call thanos's lieutenants and just tells them oh yeah you're you're looking for uh, he assumes they're looking for the last infinity gem which they are but again there's more to this story yeah he completely makes it up <laughs> nobody knows where the last infinity gem is but he says yeah it's in wakanda and oh man there is going to be some beautiful backlash from this at what point did he start combing his hair like wolverine too 
it's underwater. It's it's <laughs> even more like Wolverine. It always has a little bit of the flip thing, but now it's like, good lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but amidst all this stuff with uh, Thanos and you know the Illuminati and all that, we also have stuff going on with Black Bolt. And I put Black Bolt into that same category as Thanos and Silver Surfer, where the character itself doesn't do anything for me, but I just love him being in stories. And we saw that through. Uh, Infinity number one, when he absolutely wrecked the Outrider. And here, where we know going into the next issues, he's going to be a major focal point for the story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And again, I don't want to ruin anything about issue two, but once the story continues to come together, it works wonderfully. Hmm. So uh, make sure you read that. I have it. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet. <laughs> we've said so many times throughout all the stories of his that we've read that you do have to have a certain level of patience with Hickman you, we know at this point the payoff is going to be there and seeing it play out over the course of all these separate issues is actually really a treat for me Yeah, no, and it is, it's like I said too I'm giving him a lot more leeway in terms of my preferences because I know it's him and I know how to a certain degree, how he crafts his stories. So I know it's going to come together in an epic way. I'm just wondering how this is playing with a lot of the more traditional comic fans, because this is a very non-traditional big comic event. So I'm wondering, you know, how, how sales are going to maintain over the course of the series and, you know, feedback and stuff like that. Because as much as we love it, I can see a lot of, you know, casual fans just becoming kind of bored with it almost. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. Uh, props to Marvel for putting it out in the first place. Definitely. All right. On to what we're reading. There must have been some weird glitch in the show notes. I think I there was. I, you you <laughs> because, did not fix it, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I cleaned that up because I'm talking about Superior Spider-Man. You bastard. <laughs> Listen, every other time I leave it for you, I could not do it. <laughs> I, I saw it in the show notes and I couldn't resist. I just cut, paste, put it under my name. <laughs> But yes, issue 17 was the first part of the long-awaited crossover between Superior Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2099. And all I can say is Dan Slott is a freaking genius for the way he so meticulously planned it out and seemed like almost effortlessly binding those two storylines together with just a few little bits. And it was great. I agree. I agree. The, although the only thing that I would have said, I, I mean, it's the start of the story, this story arc, so it's going to be hard to tell. Um, like there was a lot less of of Otto and of Otto as Spider-Man in this one. And I've gotten so attached to that now that when there's not <laughs> enough of it, it's like, damn, I missed him. <laughs> I, like I know that this was supposed to be mainly with the 2099 Spider-Man. And so we get a lot more of that, but all of the stuff that's going on with horizon labs right now, like that's all set up, which tends to be more boring. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I, again, I'm just like a fanboy for auto Spider-Man now. Yeah. But the parallels he made with, uh, Alan chemical eventually probably becoming Alchemax in the future. Mm-hmm. That that's something Dan Slott made up. Because I've asked several longtime Spider-Man fans who are more familiar with the 2099 than I am, and they go, no, that's, that's something Dan Slott pulled out of his butt, and it worked. Yeah. Same, same thing with Tiberia Stone. Um, I actually had to look it up on the wiki. Uh, Ty Stone was actually not created by Dan Slott. He showed up in an, in an Iron Man story 
over a decade ago. But Slot brought him in with the Horizon Lab story. I can only assume because he knew this was coming. Well, yeah, no, I'm quite because exactly, that, you go yeah. back and look at all the the lead up to the whole superior thing, and it's been there for quite a while. Yeah, and yeah, I because I I didn't read a whole lot of 2099 back in the day. So the name Stone didn't really stick out to me as anybody important until I read this issue 17. I went, oh. <laughs> and you got Stegman, as much as we love Ramos, Stegman killed it on art. Oh, yeah. My God, this was great. I, All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mentioned it last week that I was really interested in checking out the, the new miniseries, The Star Wars which was uh, an adaptation of George Lucas's original screenplay for the Star Wars franchise. And I actually really enjoyed this. That, that twist on something we all know so well, you know, seeing you know, basically an alternate universe version of the Star Wars. And especially with the artwork and the character designs and stuff, because I've seen a lot of the, the early uh, artwork, that the, their, their concept art for Star Wars, and of course it changed a great deal over the course of production, but they took a lot of those early character designs and utilized them here. And it gives it a cool, really cool look, uh, some interesting character concepts, some that are familiar, some that are different names that we recognize in, in different places. But what really turned me onto this was a lot of people know star Wars was originally kind of a, a remake, a rehash of an old Akira Kurosawa film, uh, the hidden fortress. And especially in the Sith costumes we see here, you see that samurai influence in the art style to where the, the new – this version of the Sith are straight up wearing samurai helmets yeah. or at least face masks and it looks awesome. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved that first issue. OK. I have it. I'm just going to – I have to check it out. Mm-hmm. And then interestingly enough, the last one I want to talk about is Thunderbolts. I thought you'd which, given up on that. I gave up on that after issue one, but I heard enough good things that I finally checked it back out again. Uh, Danny Way is gone, so my one of my biggest problems with the series is no longer there. Uh, Charles Soule has taken over as new writer, the guy who's writing uh, Swamp Thing over at DC right now, actually, and he's took it took him a couple issues to get things on track, but it's now more of a series that I might possibly continue reading at least and it's not going to be like a, a monthly read but it's gone from oh my god i'm never looking at that to huh, i wonder what's going on over there where he's bringing things back in line to at least what the series should have been which you have the you have these group of anti-heroes and almost straight up villains in some cases basically just banding together to help each other out with missions that they can't do individually and issue 14 starts a new storyline with punisher bringing them along to take down basically the crime family that's in charge of all the other crime families. And something that even Frank Castle can't do himself. And it sets itself up that you know each of these stories that they're going into is going to be a pretty big deal because each of these characters can do a great deal on their own and actually needing backup for something. You know, it lends it a certain weight. Plus, I, lo- I really liked what he did with Deadpool here. It wasn't a very action-oriented issue, so there wasn't, you didn't get that Deadpool awesomeness that we've come to expect from you know, X-Force. But there was just enough comedy. Like, it wasn't over the top. It wasn't stupid. It was just enough of those like, little one-liner jokes in there that was just the right amount of Deadpool, which so few writers can do correctly. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'll be checking back in and out from time to time, but it might be something other people would be interested in now. 
Cool. And that's all I've got. Well, I had Superior Spider-Man and not much else. (laughs) 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 Apparently, I got nothing to talk about now. I have been reading. We were, uh, it was suggested to us to read The Sword by uh, Justin, a listener of the show. And so I actually picked it up and I started reading it. Now, I, again, having read just a few issues, I wanted to try to decide if it would be something that we'd just do as a what we're reading and just talk about a few issues, but I'm um, about six or seven in so far. And I thought, well, you know what? It'll be worth it to actually do it as an episode. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week when we're doing my show. Um, so Justin, just hang tight and you will get to hear our thoughts on, on it. I'm going to try to get through the rest before next week. I, I quite likely will because I tend to rip through these fairly fast. Um, and then I'll give my thoughts on it. Oh, it's, it's, it's been at points, fairly interesting and then at points fairly cliched as well so it's kind of a mixed bag but again i'm still early in on the story so i'm i want to see what's going to be happening um aside from that all i did was i was getting caught up on chew i was actually several issues behind and i still haven't read monster yeah i still haven't read the last one so i got caught up and i read 34 and 35 um because again, I was a few issues behind. We read so many freaking comic books. I know, <laughs> so, but, but but there are certain ones that kind of I know. Above I know. Yes, I know. But lately, dude, we've had some good stuff lately to read. So I mean, yes, a whole boatload of crap, but also some really really good stuff. Um, but yeah, no. So I read uh, I read those two. No sense going into them. They're weeks old now or months old. But freaking fantastic. <laughs> Just absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, so now I've got to read 36 as soon as possible. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Just as an aside, I love how Poyo has kind of just become that make Guillory draw something completely insane for a couple pages. <laughs> How they keep just mentioning him and then flash to, to what he's got going on and then back to the regular story. I love that that's a recurring gag because I, it's always amazing. I love how in one of the scenes, and I can't remember who's in the scene now, but there's like, it's a guy or whatever, and there's like porn stuff on the ground and whatever. And on TV is, uh, oh, it's the guy who can turn himself into whatever food he's eating. And he turns himself into a chicken when he's eating chicken. And on the TV is Chicken Run. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> All right. Well, into this week's new releases from Marvel, we have Astonishing X-Men 67, which I believe is the last issue. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Avengers number 19 with your Infinity tie-in, Captain America number 11, Fantastic Four number 12, which I'm fairly certain is actually uh, Fraction's last issue writing there, Indestructible Hulk number 13, we have a miniseries with Infinity the Hunt number 1, we have the launch of Mighty Avengers number 1, which is uh, definitely something I'm looking forward to from a story standpoint, not so much the artwork, but that's a story for another time. We have Ultimates number 30, Uncanny X-Force number 11, Wolverine number 9, and Part 3 of Battle of the Adam in X-Men number five. DC, more Villains Month stuff. Again, I'm not going through the issue numbers because I will stab myself in the face. We have Action Comics, General Zod, Aquaman, Black Manta, Batman, the Riddler, Batman and Robin, the Court of Owls, Batman, the Dark Knight, Mr. Freeze, or Dr. Freeze, I think I screwed that up, (laughs) Detective Comics, Harley Quinn, Earth 2, Solomon Grundy, Flash, the Reverse Flash, Green Lantern, Mongol, 
Justice League, Lobo, Justice League of America, Killer Frost, Superman, Brainiac, and Teen Titans, Trigon. So I think that brings us up to about a dozen or so Batman issues in two weeks. Quite a bit, yeah. Yeah. And from everybody else, from Boom Studios, we have RoboCop, The Last Stand, number two. Still haven't read the first one. Kind of interested there. Dark Horse brings us Star Wars, number nine. From IDW, we have Lock and Key, Alpha, number one, the next, next to last issue of that long-running comic. Image has Manhattan Projects, number 14, and Walking Dead, 114. From Valiant, we have Archer and Armstrong, number 13, as well as a spinoff to Archer and Armstrong with The Eternal Warrior, number one. So lots and lots of cool stuff out there from many different companies. Yeah. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. Yeah.